Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Terrapin Station podcast. I'm Chris Bengel, joined by fellow staff writers Wes Brown and Shane Kress. How are you guys doing this evening? Good. Good. You're fresh off of Maryland's latest win, a 63-17 victory over Towson this past weekend. Uh, Maryland currently on their bye week as Central Florida will come to College Park next week. Uh, so first off, um, just overall thoughts on the Towson win. Obviously, a result that never was really in doubt. But w- what did you guys kind of take away from uh, the Towson win? Yeah, I mean, that was a game that I think we all expected to win. But I didn't really expect to win by 50 like we did. That's not a uh, typical Maryland thing to do. It's usually let's make this close and have everyone worry to the fourth quarter, win by 14. Um, yeah, it's the first time we put up 50 points in back-to-back games open a season ever in the history of the program. But I think that the offense got out early and often, and we kind of just there was it was never in doubt. It was it was a game that from the opening drive that we were it was very obvious we were the better team. We were in control. Yeah, and when it came to the um, to the offense, it's you know just just like he sort of said, it's sort of bringing that Urban Meyer um, perspective when he came in the Big Ten of not stopping. You know, it seemed like from the beginning to the end, especially in the third quarter, Maryland just kept pushing on the gas, which is something that you know I said before, Maryland really has to keep doing because that's how you put yourself forward nationally now is beating the brakes off of teams like a Towson before going into Big Ten play. Right. I mean, that that was clear. I mean, even when they had the backups in the fourth quarter, like Javon Leak breaks off that long touchdown run, um, they just – like in the third quarter, he could have called off the dogs, and they, you know, they could have still won by multiple touchdowns, and the defense was playing so well that Towson wasn't going to mount any sort of comeback. But, yeah, they just – they just completely, you know, you know, stomped Towson out and, you know, didn't give, you know, any doubt that they were the more dominant team. So, I mean, that's that's kind of what they have to do. Um, that's never been Maryland's M.O., especially, you know, not in the last several years to be the more dominant team. I mean, they, you know, it's been clear sometimes, but never, you know, kind of like this. But, you know, it, it was an impressive win, to say the least. Um, what what players were you guys kind of impressed with this week? Um, anyone anyone kind of catch your eye? I mean, I think Ty Johnson is the obvious answer here, and not just this week, this season. The guy's averaging, like, close to double digits per carry. It's insane. The run game in general against Towson was averaging, like, 10.2 yards a carry as a team, which is just unfathomable. Um, offensive line did a really good job, but I mean, how many touchdowns has Ty Johnson broken off of over 60 yards this year, two games in? Like three or something? It's in, it's insane to watch him. I think he's like it's an actual NFL talent that we're watching, which is rare for Maryland football. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'd agree. Um, I mean, 15.1 yards of carry right now, to just kind of put that in perspective. I mean, that's ridiculous. You're, I mean, after, you know, first game of the season, some guys will break off, like, you know, two long runs and it'll be like that, but to be through two full games and have, you know, I mean, he only has 17 carries and already, you know, 256 yards, three touchdowns. I mean, that's, 
that's insane. I don't know if anybody expected that from him when he originally commanded to Maryland. I mean, he's obviously talented, um, played in, you know, an area that doesn't have as much talent. But, I mean, he's been he's been awesome. And, I mean, Maryland hasn't even gotten much production from Lorenzo Harrison yet, but that's going to come in time. Um, but it's just insane the amount of talent that they have at the running back position, it looks like. Yeah, um, DJ Durkin was talking about that after the game. He said that, you know, with Johnson and Harrison, people expected that, you know, with both of them coming back, Maryland would have a pretty decent running attack. But then people saw Leak break off that run. So now they're like, Maryland has a third running back. Not to mention, they still have Anthony McFarland, who Durkin said isn't at 100%, which is why he hasn't even touched the field yet, which at this rate, they could probably redshirt him. And the fact that Maryland can afford to redshirt a four- or five-star running back is absolutely absurd. Yeah, absolutely. And then on top of Ty Johnson, I think another NFL talent we're watching is DJ Moore. And I think people kind of knew he had the talent. It was one of those... I don't think he's as talented as Stefan Diggs. It was one of those, you can see how much talent he had on the team, but he just had no one throwing to him. And now he has a couple of quarterbacks that can actually get him the ball, and the guy's making insane plays. I mean, the one play where he, I mean, it was probably just as much of a, a you know, hit on Towson's tackling than it is on DJ Moore's play. But that play where he was behind the line of scrimmage with five guys on him on a screen and then broke off a 25-yard touchdown is a top 10, sports center top 10 play. That was I've watched it 20 times. It's insane. Yeah, I mean, he's he's ridiculous. I mean, that was always – when he committed to Maryland, like, even though he was just a three-star, you could see just watching his high school tape just how good, you know, how elusive he can be in the open field. He's got great hands. And he's got all the, you know, physical tools that a wide receiver needs. But it was just always a question of, you know, like you said, whether he's going to get the ball. We have, you know, Maryland had, what, Curry Hills and, you know, C.J. Brown the last couple of years that, you know – both have, you know, gotten injured a ton, and even when healthy, are not the most accurate quarterbacks, and aren't exactly going to get the ball down the field. So, um, you know, I mean, Moore's already already three touchdowns. He only had uh, six last year, I believe. Um, so, so he should blow those kind of numbers away. And I think he's really going to establish himself as one of the best wide receivers in the Big Ten. I mean, you know, with some of the guys that left, I mean, it's pretty clear that he should be one of the top dogs, you know, at that position in the conference for sure. Yeah, I think the Big Ten wide receiver race is, is wide open. There isn't one guy necessarily that's jumping off the page like there was last year. So I think I think he can absolutely cement himself at the top of the at the top of the list there and that definitely be a, a Big Ten all team all first team player. Yeah, because ever since Stefan Diggs, I really can't remember another receiver that Maryland's had who's gone out and just gotten 200-yard games like it was nothing. Because it, it, it didn't even look like he was having a spectacular game because of how well we've been running the ball. But he's gotten 97 yards against Towson, and he broke 100 yards against Texas. So Yeah, I mean, we're going to need play like that from our studs to kind of take the pressure off Kasim Hill a little bit, who's looked good in his first in his first start and the time he played at Texas. But you can tell there's still some nerves. There's still some shaking. And see, you know, that big throw against Texas, the third and 19 that everyone's talking about, it was an okay throw. It was a great adjustment by DJ Moore. And, you know, he, he saved Kasim a little bit there. But there's definitely, you can see, he's not as confident in his throws as he needs to be. And I think there's still that that nerve factor that he's got to work through. And we've yet to see him 
kind of face adversity yet, which I'm anxious to see once we get into some tougher games, UCF, some Big Ten games. I want Kasim Hill to throw a pick and be down and see how he reacts and see if we can, you know, count on a guy late in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I mean, he he's faced nothing. I mean, he's a 13 of 16 so far, a little over 200 yards, uh, a couple touchdowns. Like, he's looked good, obviously, and like you said, the third and 19 play is really the only adversity he really faced, and he was just kind of thrown into the fire because he had to come in. So there's not, you know, I don't know what necessarily you could, I mean, you could take from that that he stepped in and do a big moment and, you know, uh, got the job done. But like you said, if he throws an interception, if he gets, you know, sacked and fumbles the ball, something like that, and just, we'll see if he can kind of just, you know, brush that off or if that's going to, you know, get under his skin a little bit. So that would be interesting to see. You know, maybe we'll see that against Central Florida, which obviously you don't know really what to expect since they've only played one game and you don't really know what they are at this point. But I would think in one, you know, with the first <clears throat> Big Ten game being against Minnesota, that, you know, that could be an opportunity for we might see that situation happen. Yeah, watching their game against FIU, UCF, you know, they've, they've, they're really strong defensively. So they, they could be the team that gives him that first struggle. Yeah, I think that's that's. So I think there were also Um, a lot of things against Towson that, you know, obviously it was a game we dominated, but I think there's a lot of things looking back that we could have done better. And I think the same things kind of apply to the Texas game as well. And I think you guys can tell me if you agree or not. But, and I know we had a lot of long drives, but, and that plays into it, but the time of possession was like really, really lopsided to Towson's favor. It was like 40 minutes to 20 minutes almost. Um, and I know that has partly to do with the fact that we're just breaking off 70-yard runs. Obviously, that helps. But, um, you know, Towson in the first half had, in the first half alone, had an 11-play 80-yard drive that ended in a touchdown, uh, a 50-yard drive that ended in a pick, and then a 13-play 67-yard drive that took more than six minutes off the clock that ended up with a turnover on downs because they were down by 21 points in the second quarter. That, you know, in a close game, that those kinds of drives – can't happen a 13 play 67 yard drive is an insane drive you know they went 50 percent from third down you got to be able to get the defense off the field more often and i know the defense played great and we had a lot of a lot of stops but against a team like towson to let up you know three drives over 10 plays is something that you don't like to see yeah yeah Dirk was talking about that first half and he said that that's why Half, you really saw them come out, and that's when they got all their all their stops from the third quarter. They gave Towson six yards the entire third quarter. They forced a bunch of three and outs and got some turnovers. So I mean, they they understand that constantly being able to push that pedal on defense as well as offense is going to be a struggle. But they they were able to flip this the switch against Towson, which is good. Yeah, I mean that's. The drives are concerning, and you saw, like you said, we saw that in the first half because, um, you know, when they got up 21 nothing, it seemed like that's, yeah, that's kind of the moment when they did get off the gas a little bit. Um, you know, right after that, you know, Ryan Stover was completing some passes and, you know, kind of led Towson down the field, and they were able to, you know, they were able to get near the end zone. And then, you know, in the second half, Maryland was able to, you know, kind of, relieve any doubt and just kind of dominate. I mean, um, 
you know, it certainly helps when you have, you know, like the Darnell Savage interception. Obviously, that was the, you know, bad throw that kind of got away from Stover. And, you know, that's an easy pick. And, and that's kind of an easy touchdown there. But um, if Maryland's obviously not going to face, you know, this low-level competition as the schedule wears on. So they're going to need to make sure that the defense comes out strong, especially when they're facing, the, you know, the Michigans, the Penn States of the world. Um, they're going to have to, you know, make sure the defense is, you know, where it needs to be early on, you know, early in those games because they're not going to – you're not going to be able to allow, you know, Saquon Barkley to break off a big run and be – sometimes you might not be able yeah, to – Yeah, it's one of those things that, that we need to – try to translate some of the positives we've seen against Towson and work on some of the negatives and use – it's a game that everyone's expected to win, but it's something that I think Durkin has to really emphasize some of the improvements we need to make and how much stuff needs to translate to tougher opponents because I think a lot of these things, it's going to be hard to see the same types of things happen. You know, we're not going to break off necessarily, you know, three plays of 60 yards or more in one game. We can't really rely on guys having huge plays. And uh, we, as an offense, only had one drive of over 10 plays. Um, we, we really relied on the big plays, the defensive touchdowns, and that got us out early. But against tougher Big Ten opponents, Michigan's defense, Ohio State's defense, we can't expect to them to break down and make mental mistakes like Towson does. I think we really need to start having the offense rely more on third down passing, moving the ball consistently, and putting together drives that last longer than three plays. Yeah, I think that's kind of, I mean, that's that's a good point because you're really not going to, you're not going to, you're going to have to have those extended drives for sure, um, you know, against these better teams. And it's going to be interesting to see, you know, kind of, how Kasim Hill runs the offense that way when, you know, he has those long drives, you know, the kind of decisions that he makes. And then, you know, when Maryland gets in the red zone, you know, down around the goal line, um, you know, what the play calling is kind of be like, going to be like, you know, I would assume Lorenzo Harrison would probably be in, in those situations, but um, you never know. Uh, um, so it'd be interesting to see, you know, going forward as the schedule gets more difficult, you know, how the offense kind of runs and, you know, if they, you know, can keep up to this high level of play, maybe with, you know, some lesser of the big plays, but, you know, still being able to, you know, run like a well, well-oiled machine. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, kind of against Central Florida, what the offense kind of looks like. Yeah, and I think <clears throat> kind of coming off that a little bit, talking about red zone offense, I think is something that's going to have to, we're going to have to do really well this year just because of how unsure our field goal kicking is. I don't even trust our field goal kickers to kick an extra point, let alone a 40-yard field goal, 50-yard field goal to, you know, tie a game or anything late in the fourth quarter. So I think we're really going to rely on, have to rely on consistent, efficient red zone offense and good play calling from Walt Bell as well. Yeah, Durkin said after the game that the kicking game is going to be something they're going to have to look at week by week, whoever is giving them the best opportunity. Because, I mean, he admitted kicking it off the upright and getting it to go in is difficult, but it's not an ideal situation. So they, they do have a kid coming in next year who's really talented, 
right-footed and left-footed. Um, but this year, they're going to have to try and squeeze by with whatever they have. Yeah, I mean, that, that could be that could be an unfortunate situation because if you get – once they get into these Big Ten games, every point's going to matter. And, you know, if you have a 35-yard field goal, but you don't have the confidence in your kicker, you know, when it's fourth and eight, like, you're really going to go for that. So, to, you know, it's – I mean, whether it's Adam Green, you know, whoever it may be um, – you know, it doesn't sound like the staff has a lot of confidence in what they have. So it's, I would assume next year with um, um, the new commit that's coming in, his name's escaping me, but um, I would assume he would, you know, probably step right into that starting role pretty early. Yeah, so he posted a video on Twitter where he kicked a 60-yarder with his right foot and then stepped up and kicked a 50-yarder with his left. So, I mean, that's better than anything we have now. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, that's, that's really cool. So... Enlighten me. Maybe I'm being dumb here, but why the hell does it matter if you can kick a ball with both feet? What does that benefit to you in the game? Like, know, you really need to have a left foot and a right foot. I mean, it's just sort of one of those things where you know he's got the it's highlight reel either yeah. way, you know, highlight kind of thing. But yeah. you know, maybe maybe situationally he kicks better one foot on each pass or something like that. But yeah, you know, maybe it's just a cool little talent to throw in there. Yeah, yeah, no, I saw that video. I was like, well, okay. So, um, let's move on to the – just talk about the defense real quick. Um, personally, I didn't really – wasn't sure what to expect with the secondary. Um, I mean, it, I th- think they've had their moments. I think, you know, Antoine Brooks has been a player that I've been really impressed with. Um, you know, had an interception this past week. Um, obviously, Darnell Savage having the interception. But they've just – it seemed like they've covered, you know, pretty well for the most part haven't let up anything big uh maryland secondary obviously hasn't been hasn't been really a huge strength in recent years i mean they've produced some decent <laughs> players but overall hasn't been you know a huge strength for the program so what uh do you guys have any takeaways from the defensive side through these two games i mean they really showed against um texas that they can they can start to make a difference on bigger teams because that's one thing Maryland always struggle with is they always seem to have smaller bodies up front and then, you know, they're athletic in the secondary, but when quarterbacks have all the time in the world, then they can't really, you know, they, they can pick apart the secondary, but Maryland finally has the strength and the physicality to, I think, throw in some some wins at the Big Ten level and really earn respect on that side of the ball. Yeah, and I think additionally, I think this was shown a lot against Texas in particular. We protected – there was no big plays. We protected deep routes really well other than the one third and 12, 40-yard touchdown, which was just a breakdown on defense, not necessarily any individual's fault. Uh, but we protected the deep routes well. I think one thing that they do need to work on is third down passing – I mean – Shane Bouchel, however you say his name, uh, was dinking and dunking most of the game. You know, six-yard routes, six-yard routes, which is fine if you can make this that crucial stop on third down, which we were able to early on. But in the second half, he was able to drive down the field a few times where third and three, third and three, they were were getting him every time. So I think we have to be better on the short third third downs. Uh, But I think we've done a really good job not letting up any big plays, not having too many mental errors. And also the the tackling, it's just something Maryland's always struggled with, you know, getting a body 
on the ball carrier or the receiver and just making a stop. They're always going in with arm tackles, but but this year something just seems different with, you know, the culture, the the hundred percent juice level. But you know, there, there's all there all as soon as someone has the ball past the line of scrimmage, there seems to be four or five turps right around it right away, which is something you know Maryland really is going to appreciate this year. Yeah, I mean, I think their ability to get after the quarterback has been, you know, pretty impressive so far. Um, you know, there's, I think, like eight guys with at least a sack, and then Jermaine Carter's got three and a half. They just, they haven't had a problem getting after the quarterback at all. Um, and that's forced, you know, some bad throws. You know, last, last year, Maryland only had, you know, five interceptions. They've already got three and, you know, looked, you know, look pretty strong, I would say. Um, you know, the front seven did lose, you know, Braglio and Akondu last year, but it seems like they haven't missed a beat at all. I mean, even they look, you know, looked strong last week without Anna Bonham. So we'll see once they get, you know, like I said, more into the schedule, it'll, you know, we'll see how glaring a need that might be. Um, if that, you know, the loss of Jesse Anna Bonham is going to be a big deal, but, uh, I think it looks like they should be okay. And, you know, if they're able to consistently get pressure, I mean, that's going to get, that's going to lead to more opportunities for, you know, the DBs to make plays down the field, which is something that, you know, like we said, we haven't seen in a long time. Yeah. And I think, well, let's go back to what you were saying about the culture. I think there has, there's a noticeable electricity on the sideline that I'm not used to seeing. We're, we're not used to being a winning program and there's, it's, it's fun to be able to look to the sideline and see everyone cheering the whole excessive juice thing. Still don't get what it means, but it's awesome that they're all aboard it and like everyone's having an awesome time on the sidelines. It's, it's fun to win, and hopefully that can kind of motivate some guys to to maybe make turn this program around a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think – I don't think anyone's really been this excited about the program in, you know – years maybe maybe people wanted to believe in randy Edsel. you know in the beginning you know he turned around and turned uconn into a division 1a program and you know <clears throat> went to a bcs bowl game and you know people wanted to believe in that success and you know after that first season and just the just establishing like the level of mediocrity and that, that wasn't what he was brought in there for i think you know people kind of soured on the program and now I think you're starting to see like maybe some of those casual fans come back and you know say hey this is you know this is a fun team to watch and look you know DJ Darkman's got his act together and looks like a great coach he's got you know he's really established in this talent level that you know we didn't really see quite as much you know in those in those Edsel years so it, it's pretty awesome to watch this team I mean We'll learn more as the season goes on. But I think despite the schedule being, you know, insane, I think there's definitely going to be a chance, like we talked about a couple weeks ago, there's going to be a chance for upsets. And I think especially the way teams like Ohio State look, I mean, you know, maybe they're able to steal one of those games, especially with, you know, the kind of juice that they have right now. Yeah, I mean, we just have to imagine one day that, Kasim Hill takes that Maryland flag and plants it in the O. You know, that's just, it's got to happen at some point. I would love to see that. Yeah, that was that was pretty amazing. Uh, Baker Mayfield just, like, 
I didn't even see it when it happened. And like looking at it, like the next point, I was like, "That is that is awesome." Like, yeah, I was just, just I was watching the telecast after the game, and he picked the flag up from the person from the flag trailers or whatever, and he was just waving it around. Then he started doing a lap, and then he ran to midfield, and everyone was like, "Don't do it, don't do it." But you know, he he did it. And I mean, it's brought up a lot of questions. Ohio State recruits are also questioning if they should start a new quarterback. So if, if they continue to struggle, Dwayne Haskins could possibly make his first career start against Maryland. Uh, what is, I would love that. I would absolutely love that. Just to shove it in Dwayne Haskins' face, that'd be fantastic. That would be like the ideal scenario. Could you imagine if like if you know that was his first career start and you know Maryland you know completely rocks him, sacks him a couple times, he throws a couple picks and. You know, Maryland beats them by, you know, multiple touchdowns. That would be just, I think that would be just, like, the best feeling ever. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I saw something. Is Dwayne Haskins playing cornerback for Ohio State right now? I saw, like, a stat for him having, like, a pass deflected. I didn't realize that he had maybe switched positions. I don't know if you guys know anything about that. No. No, not that I saw. Um, I saw some sort of stat line for him. I don't know if he was a corner or receiver or something, but he was in the game, not a quarterback. I mean, he's really athletic. Maybe they have thrown him in at receiver or something. Yeah. That's possible. Just, I mean. I mean, they're going to cut JT Barrett a lot of slack. He's in the Heisman talk, so they're going to give him a while for – he's going to have to play poorly for a little while for Dwayne Haskins to have a chance to – to play QB, but that would be a fantastic scenario. I mean, I guess with, I mean, they've lost so much talent on both sides of the ball, so I was kind of, I mean, maybe it's not that surprising that they, you know, did get beat that bad against Oklahoma, but I mean, I don't know. I yeah, I mean, they looked bad in the first half against Indiana as well. Ohio State's been looking like a beatable team for sure. That's, that's the way I think. I mean, and like, what do we really know about the rest of the Big Ten? Because I mean, like Michigan looks good, and but like Penn State has played nobody, so like yeah. you know, I mean, I'm not gonna say they're not a good team because obviously they're ranked in the top five for a reason. But yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, other than Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan, I don't think there's in Wisconsin, I guess, but even Wisconsin hasn't looked all too great. I I think other than those four, there's no one team that jumps out as any, you know, particularly good team. And I think of those four, two to three of them are certainly beatable. Yeah, I mean, Wisconsin, like you said, hasn't looked good as a whole. Michigan's been struggling. You know, Spate hasn't done well this year. Um, Ohio State's got quarterback troubles, too. You know, I'd say Penn State has looked like the best team in the Big Ten so far this year. So, I mean, Maryland really had the chance this year to come away with a couple upsets. You know, it'd be it'd be more ideal if they played Michigan and Ohio State earlier. But, you know, it's, it's something where down the line, you know, they could be missing someone coming into one of our games and sneak away with one of those wins, and that looks really good. For sure. And, I mean, I think at the beginning of the season, we didn't really know what to expect. But after going to Texas and beating Texas, I know I am at least – way more confident going in, you know, and playing Minnesota than I was two weeks ago. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, I mean, that was a game last year that was the Pigram starts, obviously, you know, we really didn't play well, but 
I mean, that's a good team that runs the ball a lot. They have two great running backs and, you know, Rodney Smith and Shannon Brooks. So they're going to, you know, it's going to be physical. They're going to try and grind it out. But I think Maryland's defense has showed that they're more, they'd be ready to, you know, win a game like that, I think. And, you know, it's just, I think the race is more wide open than I think it's ever, than it's been in the last few years. I mean, obviously it's early, but. Um, yeah. Like the West Division is basically, I mean, even Wisconsin doesn't look like the Wisconsin that we've seen in recent years. So, and I think anything's possible, really. Yeah, I think this is the most most open we've seen it since Maryland joined the Big Ten. This is the best opportunity I think we've had to make some noise. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you have like you have a team like Michigan State that's. You know, kind of they played off. nobody so far. Yeah, they're not. I mean, I mean, they'll probably get to a bowl game, but I mean, that's not. They're not the Michigan State we knew of three years ago, two years ago. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, and then I mean, aside from the only team that I, I mean, and obviously the three Michigan, Penn State, and Ohio State are the three you. But Ohio State, I mean, right now, I mean, I wouldn't really be scared to play them, and I mean, if the defense can. Sl- you know, can stop the run even a little bit. I think Penn State is a team that, you know, maybe you could pull off that win, especially since it's a home game. You're going to have, you know, that crowd is going to be nuts for that type of game, especially with the late in the season. And, you know, Maryland might not be playing for a Big Ten title, but if Penn State is the opportunity to play spoiler in a game like that, you know, that yeah. what kind of win that would be. Would be yeah, and, I, and not only – talk about win-loss, but just at the very least, I don't think we're getting blown out by 50 like we have been the last two years, no. three years. That That's not going to be the case this year. We we are. It's going to be a fun game to watch, and it's going to be competitive, and it's not going to be one that everyone turns off at halftime. Yeah, I mean, this, this year is definitely the year that Maryland can be within a, a score or two compared to three or four, so you know, they're going to be in the fourth quarter of these games, and that's when it's going to be decided. It's not going to be any more of these they're down four touchdowns at halftime. Let's just try and have some fun kind of deal like it has. But I feel like it's going to be a lot of halfway through the fourth quarter. Cassine Hill is going to have a make it or break a drive, and the defense is going to have to come up with a stop. But it, it's definitely going to be closer this year. Yeah, I mean, there's. I don't think there's any doubt about that at this point. I mean, this, you know, I mean, I don't know how high Maryland's going to finish in the standings, but I would expect them to be, you know, I don't think finishing, you know, maybe in third or fourth place is, like, out of the question, especially if, you know, Ohio State keeps struggling or, you know, you know Michigan or Penn State has, you know, a couple bad losses. But, I mean, if they're able to – if they were able to maybe finish, you know, third in the conference in the division this year, I mean, like, what that would say to recruits. I mean, they've already, you know, established themselves and Dirk and shown that he can recruit with anybody and – you know, the class is already in great shape, but just imagine what that would say, you know, if they're able to have, like, a top three finish this year. Yeah. I mean, our class is – our recruiting class is great with no, you know, good play to back it up. These recruits are coming in for the future, and if they see that the future is now, it's going to be a lot easier to get some big-name guys. Yeah, so yeah I mean, with, with, uh, with like, the um, – when you can get the Michigans and the Penn States, you know, if they can – bring in a couple of recruits for those games, knock one of them off. That's that's just going to make the future even easier. So, I mean, it, 
it looks like, you know, certainly a great season is in store. Um, you know, you know, Central Florida up next. Um, so are they, are they playing FIU next week? Is that official? I don't know that it's official. I saw some rumblings on Twitter that they offered to play them again. I don't know that FIU, as of, you know, half an hour ago, an hour ago, has agreed to it or not. Yeah, because I saw it was a report the other day that I guess Georgia Tech wanted to flip the 2020 game in their series and this one and have it this year in Atlanta, but they UCF didn't go for it and they didn't want to do it, so that's why they just canceled the game, which is, I mean, it's understandable, but... Um, I mean, I don't... I know if UCF is offering to pay FIU, that's the only reason they're going to do it. They beat FIU, FIU by something like 55 points or this season or something like that. So if they pay them enough, I think, you know, why not? But I think either way, it's more of a another tune-up game for them just to keep them in the groove. I don't, I don't know that it's going to affect the game against Maryland too much either way. No, I mean, yeah. that's probably true. I mean, you, you would assume by the time it gets to that point, they have any of these hurricane jitters out of them or, you know, any, any loose things should be, should be handled within the next week. Yeah, so we'll, we'll, uh, we'll come back. We'll preview that next week and dive a little, dive into, um, you know, their schedule. And if, you know, they played Memphis so far and if they end up playing FIU, we'll have a little bit more to break down. But, um, so we'll be back next week to talk about, UCF and uh, preview that game. So, uh, any last thoughts, guys? Um, I think so. I think we've covered a good deal today. Well, uh, it'll be interesting to just watch the watch the Big Ten from afar this week and take any action as Maryland prepares for Central Florida next week. Uh, so, until then, as always, go Terps.